gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. I'm gonna show the whole world why I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. I'm back, baby. Broadcasting from Manchester in the United Kingdom, this is the Aaron Meta Show. The 3rd of, of May uh, 2015, you're listening to the Aaron Meta Show here on Mixcloud.com forward slash Aaron Meta. You're also listening to me on the RSS feeds, whether it be on iTunes, whether it be on Stitcher, whether it be on Player FM, all those good podcast distributors that uh, broadcast this show. Uh, thumbs up to everyone out there. And I'm being joined along with Harry. Good evening. And I'm joined by Josh. Hello, everyone. Yeah, and we're playing the uh, Super Soccer theme for... Uh, just uh, pretty much is because it's been an exciting uh, week, uh, weekend of soccer, pretty much. And, uh, uh, you know, well, uh, I wasn't expecting Manchester United to get absolutely thrashed the way they did. And uh, also we had the uh, very big disappointment for me personally because uh, Preston North End failed to automatically qualify for uh, the championship next season. So they're going to have to go through the playoff section, which they have a horrible history of playoffs. So uh, uh, I think it's uh, it was back to the David Moyes era a couple of years ago when uh, Preston North End had a successful uh, playoff campaign. So uh, And even then, under Moyes, uh, it was not so easy because they didn't get qualified for the Premier League. Uh, the season following, so it's uh, yeah, it's been pretty uh, pretty bad uh, this weekend. So I'm hoping that you guys, uh, Josh, I hope your week was a lot better than mine. Well, uh, it was uh, it was all right. I mean, I was at uh, school this week. I was very busy. I'm just uh, getting prepared for uh, finals that are in a couple of weeks. Like actually, next week, really. That's when my finals are, and I graduate too. Oh wow! So uh, I mean, um, so how far are you off on graduation then? Just uh, just these finals, and then that's it. Well, um, I'm going to be taking a summer course uh, online, but a, theolo- a theology course online, and then that's it. I'll just uh, I'm done after August. Cool, uh, mm-hmm. Harry. What about yourself? Anything final coming up for yourself? Or? Uh, no, nothing final particularly. Um, I've kind of had a quiet week. Um, up until sort of the the back end where um, I went to help a few of my filmmaker friends to move out of the uh, Philmonic space which was at Federation House in Manchester because George Osborne has bought Federation House and is planning on turning it into his uh, tech hub, whatever the hell that is. Um, So basically spent um, most of Friday getting stuff... um, down from the third floor of this building uh, with lifts that didn't work. So, yeah, my uh, my body's feeling it now, but I'm sure uh, come Monday morning I'll kind of look a bit like Spider-Man after he's been bitten by the spider. Oh, great. I mean, uh, so, I mean, what's, what, I mean where are your friends going to go? I mean, uh, they got plans and everything? or uh... Yeah, yeah, I think they're, they're going across to a sort of little arty space, which is across the road at Shude Hill tram stop just near there uh, for a temporary sort of home. Uh, proof indeed that no matter what governments do, they will never be able to stop uh, artists in their pursuit of reflecting nature. 
yeah. <laughs> in this case, yeah. in the form of uh, comedic films. I mean, you know, um, in Manchester, I mean, again, I'm 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 not used to uh, I mean renting big places out or anything like that. But uh, I mean, surely there must get some there must uh, be some kind of there must be some kind of place for you know a decent rate going for uh, you know artists and stuff. So. Well, I mean, we're working on the premise that a lot of us don't have a lot of money. Um, you know, we just want to get together as uh, a group of uh, filmmakers and creatives and just make. Uh, um, zero budget short films um, just for uh, the passion of uh, filmmaking um, and you would be surprised at what some of these places will charge for their uh, facilities um, I believe the space that we're going to uh, is letting us use the space uh, for free for the time being um, so, which is really good of them and uh, just goes to show how again how artists should uh, stick up for one another in yeah. this respect. But I mean, what, uh, are they, are these some of these places like uh, they're going up to you and basically saying one million dollars. Yeah, pretty much like that, really. Mm. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> and that's I, I, again, I I don't know what the Space Federation House. I don't know what this tech hub is. That might be something worth looking into. The, the Tories are obviously just kind of yeah. trying to do as much as they can while they can. Yeah. Uh, I mean, tech hub for me would would uh, imply that uh, you know it must be something in regards to computing. It must be something in regards to you know maybe programming. I don't know if they were. I mean, they're pretty big on programming, which uh, you know is okay for the meantime because obviously. We're all downloading our apps, and uh, you know we're we're at that stage of technology, but we don't know where we're going to be in the next couple of years. So yeah, I, t- I totally understand your frustrations because what they're pretty much suggesting is, um, I mean, I, again, I don't know much about this tech hub thing that they, that he's talking about, but if it's what I'm thinking that uh, they're thinking of doing, and if it uh, goes in parallels with uh, what they're teaching kids now, it's like it's going to be, dare I say, pretty short term. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, it's probably going to be built up not do much, and end up going right back to the state that it's in now, which means hopefully we might be able to move back in there and uh, <laughs> they might have put some carpets down. So you know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, but, I just, yeah, you just don't know about it anymore in Manchester. What, the, uh, the health service is getting devolved there. Uh, the uh, what? I mean, how far until basically we just become our own kind of island, if you will, uh, which is uh, somewhat uh, you know grabbed over by, by Westminster. So it's uh, not to say it's not like that now, but... Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. uh, well, I did do uh, my postal vote the other day, so oh, yeah. I have uh, I've voted. Yep. Um, which I think is, uh, I believe, is the first sort of talking point of today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, did you watch the debates on? Uh, I mean, not really a debate. It was kind of more like a uh, kind of a grilling, if you will, of uh, the <laughs> question time audience. Which. Uh... Yeah, yeah. It was it was very interesting. Uh, there was some sort of uh, some interesting points pulled up but like you said a lot of it was uh you know people gnawing at them basically yeah i mean it's just for me it was like you know people ask who won last night you know was it david cameron was it uh, ed miliband was it nick clegg dare i say i mean i would say that the audience won but even then they didn't really get the answers to the questions that they wanted they only just managed to basically show their frustrations at them so really no one kind of benefited really from from watching that well no they never really do do they like you know whenever people come to them with questions uh you know politicians whether they're here or whether they're in america um you know they 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 do a very very good job of uh deflecting questions and just giving you something that sounds like an answer but actually gives you no information at all a bit like a psychic really yeah Yeah, when i would listen to their answers it's just like my mind's like 
what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. And it's just, uh, they're just, it's like they're trying to vote for someone that uh, has at least the best answer, the best speech they could think yeah. of. That's it, yeah. It's, it's, you know, they may as well literally just someone ask them a question. They, the lights drop, they then come up, they're in a tutu with, you know, like uh, party streamers exploding out of the top of them. They don't actually say. Don't anything. give them ideas, Harry. Well, I, I, I don't know, this could help them win the election. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think it would, but uh, even I then, mean, they, they, even if it was like the. I mean, did you see uh, what the. I mean, I know we're moving a bit quickly from this, but you've, have you seen the stone? Uh, no. The Ed Stone. Basically, what it is is, uh, um, Ed Miliband is probably having an identity crisis and thinks that he's Moses. And so basically what he's done is he's taken this giant, like, tombstone-like thing and he's chiseled in, like, uh, the five, you know, promises that he's that he wants to give to the electorate to say, look, here's this giant stone, here's all our beliefs in them, and, uh, you know, um, this is going to make sure that we keep to our promises if we get elected into the next government. And basically he just has oversized prop that he's pretty much there. And if you think about it, in the debates, he was like berating David Cameron for using uh, a prop himself, you know, because he's still got that letter that uh, he carries around with him, basically saying that there's no money left. He berates him on this show for basically using props, and then all of a sudden, here comes this giant stone that he's carved out, uh, basically giving his five commandments of what he wants his government to do. Oh. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... Well, it, it, like I've said many times before, it's just kind of like the showbiz element now, you know, the celebrity element. The politicians are now, like the footballers, becoming completely showbiz, which is worrying in a way. I mean, I know everybody kind of likes things where Obama does like little comedy sketches and stuff like that, but as much as it's like, yeah, okay, so that shows us that he's human, there is a part of me that thinks, you know, he, he's running a country, and he's yeah, got, he's... you know, they've got time to kind of do these little comedy things. It was like when Tony Blair did the uh, Catherine Tate, Am I Bothered sketch. And I'm like, you know, there's there's wars going on at the moment. Well, so. to be fair on that point, I mean, uh, call it? Tony Blair was doing something for charity, which, I mean, if you ask a party leader or someone to do something for charity and it's, you know, if it's going to go to a good cause, you, you can't blame them. But mind you, they're oh. even that, even though all that's up in the air at the moment because they don't I, know if the money's actually going to the places that they should be going to. So, Well, this is my thing with charity, like all of these charities, like, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Bob Geldof can, you know, put his head down the toilet and just keep flushing till there's nothing left you know just all of these people who go on about giving money giving money if a lot of them actually gave their money if the government really gave flying monkeys about you know people living in poverty then number one they would actually genuinely sort it rather than relying on you know people like us to have to pick up the slack as we do for everything anyway uh, or they would invest all their money in creating and developing an Iron Man suit to give to a worthy person i.e. myself <laughs> or possibly John Lydon yeah but then we're looking at uh, I mean that goes into neoliberalism isn't it which uh, is not picked up too many much favoritism over uh, the last couple of years with like the Iraq war and things like that so I mean I'm not saying that uh, you know, there is not an appetite at the moment to basically intervene in any countries because obviously people have been well, having an uproar about so what's going on in Syria and uh, about what's going on in Iraq. You know, saying that oh, if we you know want to make these things better, we got to go over there. But people have been saying no, we shouldn't be sending our own blood and treasure over there again. 
yeah, to do that. So, it. unfortunately, is there is this, uh, I mean, there is this intention for people to do good things, and then there is this intention of people saying, well, we don't want to put our own people at risk in order to do that. So, it's kind of a catch-22 in a way. Yeah, and again, these right. were many of the things that the politicians were failing to address. They were merely just saying... Oh well, at the end of the day, our what we want to do is we want to do X, Y, and Z. Again, not actually answering the questions that were asked. It's like, so let's talk about immigration. Well, at the end of the day, what our government wants to do is this, this, and this. It's like, yeah, but you didn't tell me what you were doing about immigration. immigration yeah. What about the health service? It's like, well, Wait, our like, government wants to do this, this, and this, but you didn't tell me about the health service. You know, they so just they're didn't... not they're not telling you how it could affect people. Like, well. Is the, that... It's basically what tends to happen is someone in the audience will ask a question and say, so can you can you tell me a bit about, you know, like, for instance, uh, you know, the, the, the problems that have come with like, you know, the, the over, um, you know, the, the sort of large influx of immigration that we've had. You know, they say, you know, are, you know, what what are the problems, if any, that are relating to that? Uh, one of the politicians will go. Uh, there are no problems with immigration. And what our government wants to do is this, this, and this. So they haven't actually addressed it. They've just said, oh, you're wrong, and then they carry on. Another one will say, well, what the other government would do is they would allow this, 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 and this to happen. So this is why you shouldn't vote for them. It's like, yeah, but still, nobody's told me what I've asked, you know. So it's either they deflect it onto someone else to say, well, you don't want to vote for them because they're a pack of shit, or they'll say, oh, what you're saying's wrong. There's no problems. There's no thing. You know, it's literally, it's like... Absolutely. uh, It's like they're they're in love with their own narrative, and it's either being directed (laughs) by themselves, or obviously they've got these spin doctors, these think tanks, and uh, all these people in the background that basically say, well, you shouldn't use this language, or you shouldn't say this, because this part of the electorate will get upset, and the aim of the game is basically to get as many votes as possible into that ballot box, so uh, you can continue having a a job, and continue having a a nice, uh, cushy pension when you get to the end of it. Speaking of which, uh, I don't know if you happen to see, there was a a clip um, I actually posted it of uh, Ed Miliband someone was asking him uh, a question Uh, I can't remember what it was now but they uh, sort of had his answer in text form next to him and it was almost like a karaoke machine so as he Uh. spoke it kind of lit it up what he was saying then they asked him another question and he basically answered them again with exactly the same answer as before, but just in different orders. And I heard one- about that. I think it was because, in his mind, he thought basically he was doing uh, a soundbite. And I've actually seen these before. Uh, what politicians sometimes do with uh, when they're doing media interviews is that uh, they basically um, say like a sentence a couple of times. Uh, Jack Straw, I remember, uh, did this as well. He basically said the same thing. Uh, over and over again, and these were like outtakes of like interviews that he that he, that he did, and it was basically to uh, make sure that he got the soundbite that he did. And Ed Miliband thought he was in that situation. He thought it was just basically providing uh, BBC a soundbite, and he thought he basically was just taking you know clip after clip after clip. But obviously, that's not right. what the reporter wanted to do. So that's the reason he said those. He basically did that, and uh, so, right. uh, see, so if, he was it, he was trying it in different orders. It was a bit like it uh, was because he thought it was in basically 
basically in production. He wasn't thinking he was doing a live interview, and right. that's the reason he sounded the way that he did. So, uh, I mean, either so. I mean, I don't. That's a really strange one, really. I mean, was it the BBC who provided that interview? Was it? Um, um, I think it was. I yeah. Think so, yeah. Because um, normally it would be like you know I wouldn't expect you know the BBC to be that well. I mean that. You know, indirectional, if you will. I mean, yeah. I would, they thought they would have said to him, Miller, look, this is, you know, an interview that we're going to do and is going to be played in its entirety. So, you know, we're not doing bites today. I thought there would have been some kind of production involved in that, but obviously not. But even then, you know, I despise production anyway. You know, you should just put a microphone in front of a politician and just make him talk. Yeah. But, uh, you know, obviously that's why that clip came about so uh, i mean if we get a chance to play it sometime on you know on uh in a future show or i mean we're not got it on me not not got it on me now but uh i mean if we get a chance to play it then i'll i'll play it at some point but uh i yeah. believe that's the reason for it i mean it's still it's still stupid i mean obviously uh i mean why can't he can't why can't he do it in one take i have no idea but um yeah i think that's how that basically that clip came about at least at least that's in my opinion anyway right. so Anyway, this uh, debate, I mean, uh, Ed Miliband didn't look too good in it. Uh, basically, he put in front of an audience and basically made to explain how basically his math works. And because uh, I know there's people that are really angry with austerity at the moment and people are not happy with uh, um, the way things are going and they want to see an end to it and want to see money getting put back in again and not people losing their jobs and getting their wages cut. So, you know, that's a very popular p- position. Absolutely. So at the end of the day, we can't... Um, uh, we can't ignore the reality of the fact that uh, you know some of this is somehow this is all going to get paid for. Personally, I would uh, you know start taxing the banks and uh, and uh, start making the uh, rich richest in our society pay our way. But uh, the likelihood that we're going to get someone to convincingly do that, and we're going to move on to that topic uh, a little later on in the show. Um, I don't know really. I I just have this um, this realism that. Um, where is this you know where we want to do all these wonderful things but where is all this money going to come from and yeah. uh, if we can't get it, you know if there's not enough gumption in our government or in anyone in authority to say to the people who bankrupted you know themselves in the first place and asked us to bail them out to basically put them their feet to the fire then yeah. you know unless you start raising taxes and you start taxing everybody up the arse i mean it's just it's uh it's a horrible situation, really, and uh, I really wish there was a bit, uh, there was a bit more, um, you know. Uh, I'm trying to find, find a really good word to explain it. Um, I wish there was a bit more uh, conviction, yeah. I think, to what politicians really say. And instead, it's all going into this, uh, this, this mixer of fluff and spin and whatever else you want to throw in there, and it's just leaving people confused. It's leaving people disorientated, it's leaving people angry, and that's kind of the reason why the political narrative has just gone in several directions, on top of our societal problems where the rich and the poor are getting even wider uh, as things go along. Well, that just seems seems to be now the main problem, really. Like, at one point it was, you know, immigration, at one point it was the health, but it does seem to be the overriding thing that, above all of this, it seems that these other things are being you know, just waved up to try and distract everyone, again, from the fact that the most rich and powerful people in the society, just a small handful of people, uh, are shafting the rest of us up the backside. And I think that more people are kind of waking up to it now. It's not going to be an instantaneous thing, but it certainly seems that more people are raising this issue. And, you know, there's you can't 
there's only so long you'll be able to hide behind your doors in your house full of money before people start coming and taking back um, you know what is rightfully theirs. Yeah. Well, the problem is to uh, get this type of gumption is going to be. Um, it has to be. It has to begin at the political class. And as this question time special that we watched uh, on Friday night uh, was it? Friday, was it Thursday night or Friday night? I can't remember. It was uh, Thursday. yeah, Thursday night at eight, at eight o'clock. What it kind of showed was that um, you know these people are throwing these questions at uh, Ed Miliband, Nick Clegg, and David Cameron are not really getting anywhere. And uh, that, to me, is very concerning. That we have a situation where the people don't look like they're in control here. They look like they're just being messed about. And obviously, that showed in the frustration of the audience that was in in that in in Leeds uh, that showed up in that night. And really, it's uh, I think it just I think anyone you know I'm really you know David Cameron in a way looks like he was pretty much pretty lucky to uh, to win out of that because he really the response of all these of all the people in the audience he was the best out of a really bad bunch yeah which uh, is uh, kind of a a disconcerting thing really that the person that we really don't want to be running the country again came off looking like you know he was made of wind and um, but then saying that you're right it was kind of a case of the best of the worst or the best of a bad bunch you know and I've always said that I've said you know even even the parties that a lot of people are saying oh you know we should give these guys our vote but nobody seems to have the kind of uh, rigour or confidence really to be taking the wheel of the ship and the only person who's kind of oozed any kind of sense of or feeling of um, assert and uh, and I use this very flakily um, you know I would say probably only Nigel Farage is probably the only one who's come out and has been the most fiery but he's certainly not the person that we want steering our ship because no, that's like not. giving the wheel of a ship to a you know an enraged male chimp yeah I mean so, it's like well the problem with Nigel Farage is is that uh, I mean he's he's carrying his own cross for to the basically to see him get crucified if you ask me and let me explain why because um, Nigel Farage is, is pretty much gunning I believe and uh, you know um, all the other members in UKIP can say whatever they want but uh, Nigel Farage looked like he's trying to gun for some kind of uh, governmental position uh, when he comes out of the next election because uh, the likelihood is, is there any if any um, you know uh, positive gains are made out of the Conservative Party, he, they're not going to do anything without, I believe, any backing. Without maybe throughout the Liberal Democrats or maybe without UKIP. And if UKIP ends up being the one, I mean, what will happen is, I believe, in regards to the EU referendum, which you know I'm actually in support with. You know, I, I believe. That uh, you know we should have an EU referendum quite regularly because obviously we should see you know if our generation or the next generation or the generation after that wants to be still members of this European project, which uh, is uh, has quite a quite a couple of problems with it and don't yeah. appear to be getting sold uh, solved uh, sooner rather than later. So, but the problem with that is is that if Nigel Farage gets involved and he ends up becoming the deputy prime minister or becoming uh, part of this government and everything starts to fall apart. You know, in the first couple of months, when we get to that EU referendum, that's going to be Nigel Farage's AV referendum. It's basically yeah. the, 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 the 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 scope of the debate is going to be not going to be like other referendums that we've had in the past. You know, with AV and uh, you know other 
topics that have been uh, put to referendums in the past. This is not going to be about the topic. It's going to be about giving Nigel Farage the biggest kicking you could possibly give him. And what's the one thing that you can give him a kicking on? That EU referendum that he's been asking for for decades. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I really hope he, you know, Nigel Farage, just for his sake, falls on his face. And, you know, yeah. well, that, that's the much, that's the amount of, that's the only amount of sympathy that Nigel Farage is ever going to get from me. I hope he falls on his face in South Tennis and uh, doesn't get that seat, just for his sake, so he doesn't get embarrassed when he ends up going walking into government. And uh, we uh, basically, uh, I point out what I've been pointing out for ages with Nigel Farage, that he's all talk and no, and no game. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, like a lot of those parties are. Any of these parties that come along and try to uh, appeal to the uh, underrepresented masses, a lot of the time that's all it is. It's just smoke and mirrors. Mm. Um, but you get the sense that from a lot of the leaders, it's all smoke and mirrors, you know, especially, again, going back to that question time, um, you know, grilling that they got. It was all just kind of mirrors, deflection, and... Like you're saying, just not a lot really got sorted. <laughs> not that no. not that everything was going to get sorted that night, but you didn't feel that, or rather, I certainly didn't feel after tuning out that you know that I was any more clued up or comfortable than I was before. I didn't think so either, because um, I think a lot of people feel that way, and I reckon there's still, even though we only got a couple of days left for this election, um, and there's still plenty to grab for. In for all the votes and everything, I still believe that uh, there's going to be some people there can be walking up to, uh, you know, wanting to feel like they want to vote for something, but don't really know what to, and mm. it's going to end up either fragmenting into uh, uh, going back to Labour, going back to the usual parties with the feel that's the safe option, or you know, basically throwing their votes or spoiling their ballot. I don't know, or throwing it towards an independent candidate, and that basically just gets uh, you know. Uh, uh, wasted away because of our electoral system. Yeah. It's um it's concerning. Yeah. It's concerning. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Still fingers crossed that hopefully um <laughs> it could some you know something good could come up the next one. I fingers. don't know because you know what you have you have Ed Miliband who for me doesn't feel like prime ministerial material. You got David Cameron who's already <laughs> starting to look strained. You got Nick Clegg who's out of there. You've got Nigel Farage who's pretty much walking into the abyss, and you got Natalie Bennett in the Greens who herself is just just there for show really and just uh, you know yeah, which is depressing. I but... keep having to be you know I, I tweeted this before. I keep having to be reminded that there's a Green Party in this election. And, yeah. Which is a sad thing to think because, uh, you know, I do follow the Green Party in the United States and also I believe there's uh, a branch in Australia as well. And there's uh, quite a, you know, the Green Party isn't just one thing that happens in this country. It's actually a worldwide movement yeah. uh, that's been going on for many decades. Yeah. And, but, you know, in this country, you have to be reminded that it's there. Well, you know, in other countries, you see it prominently displayed. And I I think the Green Party in this country needs to kind of learn the lessons of why it works in other countries, but it just doesn't work here. Yeah, do you know what? That might be that might be a a topic for another show. But um, I know exactly what you mean. I really want it to work. I really want it to kind of step up and take the helm. But at the moment, it just doesn't feel like it's got the gusto to do that. And um, I mean, again, from from listening to her do a few interviews, um, 
you know, she's just not, she's not concrete enough to convince the majority. I don't think. I, I don't know. Maybe they just need a new leader. Maybe they need someone. I mean, you think but of all who is like. Know, well, that's it. That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for that person. I mean, you've had Caroline Lucas, who was their biggest politician that they've had in decades, uh, who is in Westminster right now as an MP, and whether she's going to keep a seat or not is still up in the air. Mm. And you have you have Natalie Bennett, who's, I don't know what seat she's gunning for, but the likelihood she's going to get elected as an MP is a little slim, to be honest with you. And yeah. so, I don't know really, I, I, just, I just don't see where the future lies with this party, which only has two prominent figures. I mean, at least UKIP has like maybe like maybe four, maybe five prominent figures in it. Besides Nigel Farage, who's kind of like the, you know the dear leader of the whole organization. Yeah. But um, I mean, with the Green Party, they're they're not there in regards to. I mean, even in social media circles, you know, forget the mainstream media, forget newspapers, forget everything like that. I mean, how many people are do you hear about on social media? Or at least in the social media trends, when it starts to starts to generate, do you hear other Green Party names besides Caroline Lucas and Natalie Bennett? Uh, never. Yeah, never. No, never hear anything. Not and whether that's because of the politics within the party, or whether that's because of uh, just you know the name recognition of any of the other Green Party members, just doesn't stick. It's like uh, I mean I can probably name like maybe maybe one or two celebrities that probably support the Green Party, but they're not actually you know people standing for the Green Party themselves. But you know, it's yeah, it is a bit depressing. Yeah. You know, um, when yeah. You, when basically you've got ideas in the Green Party which will roll over with voters and will go over with them as well, but at the same time, I just feel that they're not going in the right direction, they're not um, re- addressing, I mean, they're saying, okay, well, we want to end austerity, and yada, 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 but you know, at the end of the day, not going to say how on earth it's going to get paid for, and then don't even bother, uh, you know, saying to, uh, you know, when all the negative stuff starts coming out, like, you know, we're not going to ban memberships of terrorist organisations, not bothering <laughs> to deal with it in a proper way. Mm. It's... The things like that, which makes the uh, Green Party look incredibly weak and also outdated as well, because that uh, terrorism policy dates all the way back to the apartheid era when Nelson Mandela was still arrested on Robin Island. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely in need of um, of a, a kind of a, a, a shake up. I say, like, I mean, again, it's. I don't know. It's yeah. And for anyone complaining, we're giving too much, um, you know, uh, time for the Green Party. Let's just keep this in mind. We are so depressed about the mainstream politics and the so-called alternative that we're apparently we're supposed to be so much in love with. This, uh, you know, this guy who's basically giving himself liver cirrhosis and lung cancer, and uh, then and we're at that point where we feel that there are, you know, we do support. To be fair, you know, I do support people who are independent candidates who really do want to do some good and i know uh maybe three maybe four people who actually do actually are genuine in what they want to do in regards to being an independent and i really hope they keep their deposits you know because they you know at the end of the day it's uh, it's money that uh, i would like to have seen them put into uh, really great causes you know and uh, if they ever get it back yeah. But, um, I mean, don't let us sway you from, you know, going to the independents, you know, voting for them, supporting them, 
And even if you know they're not going to do that well, I mean, at least there your voice is heard uh, in some capacity. But in regards to the realism in the entire situation, I mean, it's it's right now it is just depressing. And the reason we're probably giving the Green Party probably more credit than they're worth is because basically we were hoping that this was going to be something that, uh, or maybe even UKIP for that matter, you know, these other little things that uh, could have made some kind of... Uh, uh, strike in this election, and yet uh, we're still... And that's even the most depressing part of it, that we wanted these things to work, and they just don't. And even these things, compared to everything else, we're just... Yeah. It's mm. just... It, 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 this, is, this is an election we're not looking forward to. I I, I just don't feel I'm, I'm going to be... Uh, I'm going to be excited about the buzz, but in regards to the result, I'm not going to be too excited about that. I won't be too surprised if uh, many uh, political pundits, if you will, the neutrals, are going to end up going to sleep tomorrow night instead of basically and just hearing basically what happens in the morning. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll stay up because I'm a political nerd. You know, obviously, you know, I'm uh, I'm like the uh, the WWE fan who stays up for WrestleMania, even though I know it's going to be a total bollocks job. And yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm the I'm that wrestling fan who will stay up, you know, for to the wee hours of the night to watch it, even though I know it's not going to be very good. And that's yeah. basically what I am. Who like these do with our politics at the moment. I'll stay up for general election night. I'll see all yeah. the results come in. But I know, uh, you know, when I wake up in the morning or when I when we next do this show, uh, I know it's not going to be. I just feel like it's not going to be a pretty sight. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Shall we move on? Um, there is something that came out of Texas, uh, which is uh, pretty hilarious, which I think is going to move us away from the uh, depression, <laughs> depression of this. Uh-huh. And that is, um, I don't think, I think everyone's groaning because we've seen this. It's uh, This is a councilman who, in Texas, who, and usually we, when we talk about Texas, we don't really talk about it in uh, the most positive of lights, and maybe this is probably another one of those uh, for the books, if you will, but uh, not in the way that you might think it might be. Um, a councilman in Texas uh, went to the bathroom uh, during a live session um, of a town hall meeting, I believe. And <laughs> the one thing that he forgot to do, uh, he forgot to turn his microphone off, and he basically captured everything that we pretty much didn't want to hear. hear um, so, for the. Uh, and just to say, this is not to gross everybody out, this is just for the sake of the context about what we're going to debate. So, shall I play the clip for everybody? Let's hear it. <laughs> okay, here we go. Item R. And this is uh, Ms. John This is two minutes. Mayor, I'll try and keep this brief. Um, I won't belabor all the details. I'm sure most of you remember Mr. Guest's presentation from last time, and I imagine he's going to hit some of the highlights here in a minute. Um, but I do want to just say that if your life has not already been touched by an antibiotic-resistant disease, it probably will be at some point. <laughs> it's about to. <laughs> uh, my mother has fought a MRSA infection. I have a high school friend whose three-year-old son almost died from C. diff, and he will be dealing with the consequences of that for the rest of his life. But the thing is that these deadly infections, there's something we can do about it. And what we can do is call on (sighs) governmental representatives that are (coughs) higher. I don't know if anyone can hear it, but you can actually hear the uh, tinkling in the background. Yeah, I can hear it now. (laughs) And the lady just stopped as if she was like, okay, what? (laughs) And ask for action at the federal level. Um, I am um, aware of Mr. Brainerd's concerns that he raised last time, and there were there would be instances where I actually agree that we should take action locally first. But 
There are not any um, KFO operations in Georgetown, so for us to just say it within the city limits would be. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> At least he didn't do that, huh? or did he? Oh, he should have done. Would be an that. empty gesture. Um, so. <laughs> uh. And also, these diseases <laughs> don't know any boundaries. So, a state-by-state approach would just mean that the. <laughs> Ah, uh, she couldn't even hold herself. Clusters back. of disease that would, <laughs> would go across the border. Anyways, I'm going to stop talking now and ask that you give this serious consideration and approve this resolution. <laughs> no chance. No chance. <laughs> oh boy! And no, I think we'll. Uh, I think we'll. Words of Patrick from uh, SpongeBob. What's the difference between stupid and Texas? <laughs> oh, you, you know what I should have done? Uh, do you remember that uh, scene in uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day where he's in the pub and basically he's like uh, he's like whizzing on like all the bad guys when you like uh, make him drink loads? Uh, um, I never actually played Conker's Bad Fur Day. I should have I, I, I should have played the music to that while that, that was going on. And, uh, <laughs> I, I just... Or you should have played the scene from uh, Dumb and Dumber after Harry drinks all the laxative. You know oh, that yeah. would have been, that would have been amazing if he'd have done oh. that. Oh well, it's just uh, well, um, I only just thought of that now, so uh, I think it just goes to show why we need to put a bit of production into this show. But uh, um, <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's like you know, do, do, oh, oh uh, Harry, do you, know, do you know what it reminds me of? Uh, it, it reminds me of you know when Gordon Brown uh, spoke to that woman uh, during the last election campaign in two thousand and ten. Yeah. Yeah. And he then he kept his microphone on, and when they were driving away, you could hear him saying, "This is a disaster. I just met that bigoted woman." Yeah, it's like yeah. it just—it has all the hallmarks of that, doesn't it? So. Yeah, although it would have been better, like if you know Gordon Brown had done that, got into the car, called that woman, you know, say oh, that bigoted woman, and then you would have just heard her as they drove off. That <laughs> oh, would be the ultimate insult to in, you know, insult to injury. But yeah, I mean, I myself. Um, and I imagine my uh, esteemed colleague uh, probably will have seen or maybe even been in that situation before where um, in maybe a live show, like a, a musical or something like that, people have walked off stage with their mics on and the sound man has forgotten to turn the microphone off. And, you know, in the middle of the show, you'll hear people talking backstage maybe even potentially bitching about someone else in the show for the whole auditorium and possibly that person to hear. Uh, it's an age-old thing, but like at least in this situation, um, it was uh, for the, the more of the, the light-hearted comical effect. Although what the lady was talking about obviously probably didn't need to have the sound of an old man pissing over the top of it because it sounded like she was really trying to save lives there. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that, you know that kid we have in that clip, uh, I'm really glad he uh, never became a politician because he'd be like, if he went up to that woman basically said, well, I believe that, uh, you know, immigration is a good thing and uh, I need to go now, so uh, let me get in the car. Outrageous! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, any excuse for that clip? Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, I mean, that's the lesson of the that's the lesson of the evening, I guess. You know, if you don't want to, um, if you don't want to get caught out, then uh, you know, don't be around microphones. 
yeah, when you go into the bathroom. Just, so take them off. Just take them off. Yeah, it's just. I'm really surprised. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't understand too much about uh, you know, like BBC Parliament. You know, when like they're doing like the whole um, production of the uh, of the debates and everything. I've always looked at it and I thought, I mean, do they have like a production team who kind of like record all the um, like you know manage the uh, what what they're recording and everything and you would have thought that uh, if they had the same type of pr- type of production in um you know the Texas legis- legislature you'd think they would do the guy in there would have the ability to cut off his mic when he's you know he's like doing number 1 it's like hmm. I- i'm really surprised I mean, either the either the guy, maybe if they do have that ability to do it, and maybe the uh, producers uh, fell asleep at the switch, I don't know. And maybe he didn't realize what was going on until basically he heard the flush. I don't know, but um, yeah, it was... Uh, either way, it was pretty embarrassing, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure... I'm sure it'll I'm sure, never happen again. <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure he'll laugh it off. You know. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, he's, yeah. Got, he's got to. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to. It's like. Uh, it's like uh, watching me call. You know, when all those allegations. You know, that Canadian uh, mayor that came. That came. Rob Ford. Uh, when all that stuff came out, and uh, yeah, it was just. Uh, he just pretty much had to basically just go along with the joke, really, and didn't have much to uh, chance to save his reputation. So. Uh, mm. Mm. Right. Let's move on. Move away from that. So. Uh, um, this is a uh, oh God. <laughs> good one. Uh, let's move away. Let's... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. still still remaining in the United States. Uh, we're all. I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with uh, George Soros. He is the uh, progressive uh, billionaire, if you will. He basically gives uh, campaign contributions to uh, progressive candidates. He also supports uh, organizations like Think Progress and uh, Media Matters for America. Um, he basically supports a lot of progressive, uh, a lot of stuff towards the Democrats as well, uh, in regards to uh, you know a progressive agenda in the United States of America. And uh, he usually gets called out about being either being a hypocrite because obviously he himself is a billionaire and uh, he was um, he's pretty much made his fortunes in some of the same way that other uh, campaign contributors have made fortunes as well. And uh, he just basically uh, he's always, he's been a target right, for uh, conservatives for a very long time and. Uh, now, uh, something has come out recently, which uh, will probably make him maybe even more of a target, I don't know, but uh, he, uh, George Soros has been calling, calling for a long time for uh, wealthy people to be paying their fair share, and uh, unfortunately, he might be caught up in his own words, because apparently he has also got himself a huge tax bill, uh, which is the one he always wanted to pay for, so, uh, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, this is. A, I'll, I'll read the first bit of it. This is from the street. Basically, a self-made billionaire investor who has made calls in the past to higher taxes on the wealthy Americans may soon himself be getting his wish, because according to Bloomberg, uh, years deferred income uh, leaves him owing about six point seven billion dollars in taxes. Wow! Wow! I mean, he's a. He, well, let's keep this in mind. He's a billionaire, so whether he minds that or not, I'm not too sure. And let's keep this in mind. His George Soros fund management has managed to amass uh, last year what, about 13.3 billion dollars uh, using his mechanism. So uh, he's uh, he's not. If I think if, I don't think he'd be too shy to write a check. I think uh, at any point for that. Well, mind you, I'm not too sure. I'm not. I'm not George Soros, so and I've never had billions of dollars, so I'm not too sure how that would work out. But uh, basically, how it worked was is that uh, surprisingly, this happened in the era of George W. Bush, 
and which is going to shock quite a few people. And uh, mind you, with the way he nationalised some of their financial sector, I guess uh, this movie wasn't too surprising, but let's move on. Uh, in 2008, George W. Bush signed a US legislation uh, closing a loophole that would allow hedge fund managers to set up parallel offshore funds as a way to defer taxes. Uh, a congressional joint committee in taxation estimated in 2008 that the new rules would generate roughly $25 billion in revenue, including $8 billion into 2017, the deadline for managers to pay the accumulated taxes. So basically, the deadline seems to be coming around now, and he's owing this money. And so, uh, yeah, I guess uh, maybe uh, he's probably not smiling about it, but maybe in a way he's getting he's getting his uh, he's getting his own way, and it's uh, kind of flown back in, it's kind of boomeranged in his face, I guess. Yeah, um, it's kind of like the sort of Frankenstein of. Uh, tax. He's created this huge tax monster, and lo and behold, it's come to kill its creator <laughs> in a exactly. tax way. Yeah, but again, too right. I mean, we've talked about this many times. How you know these? If there are rich people who should be paying lots of tax, then they should pay lots of tax. Yeah. yeah. But in a way, I guess you, I guess you can admire you know self-made billionaires when they say, "Well, yeah, I would be happy to pay more taxes." Mm. I guess in a way, I, mean, I wish more people would say. I wish more, you know, people in his situation would say that. Well, absolutely. You know, I mean, that's 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 a good thing. That can only be a good thing if he's, you know, if he's if he's outright saying that, yeah, they should be done. And then, you know, if he does get hit with a tax bill, then hopefully he would stick by his word and pay it. Yeah, I mean, especially yeah. if uh, you know if our bank, you know, if our banking system is going to keep pissing away our money every once every decade. Yeah, so. absolutely. You know, I mean, like uh, if he's. I guess he's kind of be. I guess he's trying to be fair here. I mean, rich people, all they have to pay is, uh, well, cheap. Uh, all they have to pay is uh, cheap money, and they're bu- uh, going off buying some giant houses. <laughs> and I think they should be a little fair for once. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they're they're buying property, obviously, because uh, I mean, it's less. It, it gets taxed less, and obviously, it can be yeah. you know, once the house prices go up, they can be it can be sold at uh, at, at a higher rate. It's like, yeah, that's the reason you know, we, people. That's the reason there's a sorry. Sorry, go ahead. So that's the reason there's a property bubble in the in in London because uh, you know these these uh, you know these non-doms and uh, these uh, very rich powerful people are buying property in uh, in London and once they bought it they just let it rot and because right. uh, yeah. yeah it's and uh, they so don't... that's not it's not fair at all. I mean there are people that actually you know, people that are not rich and they spend money on the things they need and sometimes. Uh, they because of high taxes they lose there are th- some things that they lose and I think that uh, you know if I mean the rich people that are buying things that they don't need they're gonna have to lose some things you know mm-hmm. because they're not gonna take care of it yeah yeah I mean I think in regards to um, I mean it obviously isn't gonna stop the uh, the the progressive machine you know it's just built because you know uh, a progressive billionaire needs to pay his taxes I mean obviously that's yeah. still gonna be going I mean recently well, I mean I forgot to mention this in uh, I've actually got forgot to put this in our uh, in our show and that is that uh, recently this with this uh, this week Bernie Sanders has recently announced that he's running for president of the United States. Mm. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, he's uh, one of the more he's more of the most socialist. Uh, uh, candidates, uh, if you will, though, mind you, um, I don't really play to those uh, types of uh, types of those. Um, you know, I don't know whether he's actually you know a proper socialist or not, but uh, he believes that you know the billionaires should be paying their fair share of taxes. He also believes that we should be helping the poorest in our society rather than helping the wealthiest. So, uh, I mean, obviously, the, there'll be many on those on the right who are basically call him a socialist. But uh, well, honestly, he's like the one of the few people that are kind of 
you know, not so greedy. <laughs> well, I, mean, I would say, well, who knows, but, uh, I mean, recently he made, uh, out of uh, progressive campaign contributions, right now he's the highest uh, grossing uh, presidential candidate at the moment, uh, by far, right. by grossing uh, $1.5 million in one week So uh, since he's announced, so... Uh, there seems to be some significant backing behind him. Whether it's, I mean, it's let's face it, it's not going to be the same as the uh, you know the Republican and the Democrat machine, which scrape in like hundreds, if not you know thousands of millions of dollars, maybe you know billions of dollars, if uh, if you will. So uh, whether Bernie Sanders is going to stand a chance against these you know behemoths is going to be very unlikely. But even then, I mean, I go back to uh, my original argument about Hillary Clinton becoming president of the United States, and uh, oh, I no. yeah. So- I said myself that you know she's going to be. Uh, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say it sound rude or anything about this, but she's going to be a very old president if she sticks uh, around for two terms. I mean, and, and, you know, if you look at Bernie Sanders, he's seventy three. He's like, uh, imagine having a imagine having a retiring president at eighty two. I mean, John McCain ran for president in his seventies, didn't he? Well, he did, yeah. But so whether you know, that's the thing, though. It's like, uh, I mean, to be fair, you know, I don't mean to be ageist or anything like that. You know, if uh, they feel they can, they feel strong enough to run for president, then then do it. But uh, I mean, if, if you know, let's face it, the of have you seen Barack Obama over the years? He, you can see his hair turn from black to gray. You can tell yeah. that job is stressing him out big time. And I mean, look just, at his kids, though; they're now. They're grown up. Well, I mean, his kids, Almost. his kids, you know, well, his kids are his kids. I mean, it's like uh, they're, they're not running yeah. the country. You know, if you look at who's <laughs> running the, if we go back, who's focus back to who's running the country. I mean, Michelle Obama's obviously not stressing over the job because obviously she's just first lady. So, uh, I mean, yeah. her, her time in office is going to be far more leisurely than Barack Obama's is. And uh, Barack Obama, if you look at him, he looks, he, when, when I first saw him, I would say, you know, if I could mistake him for being in his 30s, then I would, you know, when he started off in 2008. When you look at him now, I could, I would be, you know, I wouldn't surprise if I looked at him the wrong way and thought he was in his 60s. <laughs> he's, he's aged 30 years in the space of eight, in space of two terms. Yeah, again, yeah, proof indeed right. that, like, you know, running the world is, uh, yeah, it's a pretty... Well, let's pretty be careful there. He's president job. of the United States, not president of the world. So, uh, I mean, I know, yeah. obviously, yeah, but uh, I, I don't know, <laughs> it's, really. It's, it's like, context, it's context. It's but, context, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I can imagine that, you know, you don't really get time to... to uh, chill although saying that you obviously do get time to do comedy sketches but um yeah you know, i think I, they're just part of the course really in u.s politics i think uh <laughs> I mean, he he won't be the he won't be the first he's not the first and he won't be the last so uh no doubt yeah. so, you know whether you know whether it be president clinton or president uh sanders or, or president Vent- president Ventura. <laughs> No, we're we're not we're not even going to discuss that. But um, um, whoever ends up being president, then you know he's he's still going to be you know the serious now and then the funny man afterwards. So because uh, he just plays to the voters or plays to the support of the uh, American people. So that, that's that's a tradition that's not going to stop unless you know the president decides to put it to a stop because it's not popular anymore. I don't know. So. Anyway, we talked that into the ground. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's move on to something else. And uh, this was um, something that, um, in a way, probably didn't, probably does. I don't know. It's like I feel a bit, you know, whether to 
believe everything that's being written here, but uh, uh, North Korea recently came back in the news, and uh, whether it's about nuclear weapons or whether it's about uh, you know what what size Kim Jong Un's hair is today. Um, something always comes about North Korea, and this is another thing. Uh, this is a, uh, a a New York University student who was apparently caught illegally trying to enter the country. And uh, I'll, I'll read out the uh, first few bits. Uh, North Korea said it has arrested a South Korean student in New- from New York University for illegally entering the country from China last month. Um, Won Mung Chu, uh, a North who North Korea says is permanently re- permanently resided in the United States and lives in New Jersey, was arrested in April 22nd after crossing the Amok River on in China's border town of uh, Dangdong. Uh, the official Korean news and that's from the uh, their official case. CNA uh, uh, propaganda service. Um, the 21-year-old man has been questioned by state authorities and has admitted that his actions were via violation of North Korean law, but you know, we haven't heard that from him, so we don't know. Uh, an official from South Korea's foreign ministry did not want to be named, uh, citing official rules, but did confirm that it was a South Korean national. Uh, the officials said that the ministry was going to gather information about Jews' travel uh, to China and determine whether it had been attempted to enter North Korea or not. So, And and that's actually going to be interesting to uh, to investigate, actually, whether he actually did cross that river or not. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, crossings across that river don't happen, because there have been instances where, uh, you know, contraband and, you know, DVDs and stuff from the outside world has crossed that river in order to, uh, um, you know, enlighten the masses, if you will to the um, problems that are going on within the country that they don't know about and uh, what's basically going on in the outside world. These these crossings and these things do happen, and whether he was part of that or not, we do not know. But there has been times where North Korea has purposely uh, taken soldiers over that river into China and brought people back and arrested them, and for and basically for, uh, for bargaining chips for the United States. There have been times when that's happened. So uh, whether this is another case of that or not, I'm not too sure. Or whether he actually was stupid enough to actually go into the country for no good reason whatsoever and uh, get himself arrested. We know we're still sketchy on the details, but uh, I mean, for me, it could be either way that, uh, you know, I really don't know who to believe at this point until basically we've had an official investigation into exactly what happened. But to be honest with you, because it's happened before, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if North Korea had uh, kidnapped this person and brought him over the river. Yeah, I mean it, the the it's yeah, I mean it certainly wouldn't be top of my list of places to go. Certainly not somewhere that you'd want to break into because you know they they tend to take that stuff very very seriously, and uh, being paranoid as much as they are anyway. Um, yeah, you, you basically don't want to piss off North Korea, especially when you're on their turf, because you will. Uh, find yourself hanging upside down attached to something or with something attached to you um, and yeah it's um, well that's the least they could do to you I mean uh, that's oh, yeah, I mean, there, there have been more horrific uh, human rights abuses that have taken place which has ended up in a 400 page document uh, from the United Nations so, I mean, this is whatever happens to this kid, you know, when my heart goes out to him, if, uh, you know, yeah. what happens happened, at least in my mind. But, uh, um, I mean, 
again, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if uh, he is used for either to uh, get some more food aid, either to uh, being put, basically put on the table for the uh, nuclear negotiations. We probably won't hear about it, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if a North Korean official goes to say, well, you know, if you uh, give us some leeway on our nuclear weapons program, then uh, we will give you back this kid. And uh, I think it's just, uh, you know, I think he's kind of, you know, I don't think he's a bad kid or anything. I don't want to insult him. I think he's just acting like, uh, I think he's just acting like a little kid saying, hey, let's do something stupid for for once and just get away and see if we can get well, away with it. To be fair, we like don't that. know that. But, uh, yeah. I mean, and let's face it, I mean, I don't know if he's like an activist or not. I mean, we don't know anything about him yet. I mean, uh, right. more information still got to come out from uh, from why he was there. But there has been, I mean, there's there's three possibilities that uh, yeah. I mean this could be that he was probably just a tourist who was basically going across the river I mean there are tourist attractions there actually this is actually something quite amazing Sky News uh, went to that uh, river crossing to uh, between China and North Korea there are actually tourist attractions actually there on that side on that riverbank where you can actually li- look through uh, telescopes and through binoculars and actually look into North Korea and look at some of like the really poor border towns which is kind of so amazing because you know North Korea is so tightly controlled with this propaganda. Wouldn't you think across that river where all the tourist attractions were, they would build like ginormous cities and stuff? Ah, I agree. Or like models of cities, or just like have yeah. have people like just you know because that's what they do in North Korea. I mean, it's 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 like a giant stage show. Imagine if uh, Disneyland uh, declared independence. And basically everything there was all choreographed and staged. And, uh, you know, then it had, like, elements of Stalinism put in and, uh, all, all, you know, and all this crazy shit. I mean, that's basically what North Korea is, basically. It's like a giant Disneyland which has gone horribly insane and has gone sociopathic. And yeah. uh, it's the... So you go into Pyongyang and that's all you're really exposed to. You're not exposed to the outer regions of the country. You're pretty much kept within this uh, tightly controlled atmosphere with miners looking at you everywhere you might you go. Your hotel room is bugged. You're not allowed to bring anything like mobile phones or anything like that. Uh, John Sweeney from uh, BBC Panorama, he managed to sneak in a phone and he was actually able to prove that you can get a South Korean uh, television communication signal from um the north korean from the north korean broader towns and actually was even able to get them from uh, other regions of the country so whether you know these mobile phones that have been smuggled in and now there's north koreans actually communicating with people over in the south that would be interesting to see and whether you know where uh, there's actually data signal going over there so they can actually get internet mm. so uh I mean, so to be honest with you, I kind of, you know, I've lost my train of thought now because I, I mean, I, I, cause this is the thing about North Korea. There's, there's just, uh, you know, it's because it's pretty much this, uh, you know, vile dictatorship, and there's just, uh, it kind of plays out like a, like a drama, if you will, like some kind of like drama movie, like an espionage kind of thing. And uh, you know, you got this big, you know, oppressive regime, and uh, you got all these people who basically just are either too brainwashed to uh, know any better, or uh, I mean, it's 1984, isn't it? I yeah. mean, well, well, it's, it, it's 1984, yeah. Yeah, the 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 old people there are just, you know, they're they're living in this, uh, you know, constructed fantasy. Um, and again, I I I say that uh, very carefully in the sense that you know, who's to say that we ourselves are not living in a partial constructed fantasy of you know what's fed to us and what we choose to take in what we choose not to I suppose the difference is that in North Korea if you choose not to take in and believe the fantasy 
then the fantasy becomes a nightmare. Well, the, the difference between North Korea's fantasy and our fantasy is at least we can say how, how shit our fantasy is. In North yes. Korea, you can't call out how, how shit your fantasy is because yeah. you'll end up getting killed. Yeah, so, um, I mean, uh, we can easily say, you know, like, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we, we declare republicanism and we you know we don't want a queen anymore and nothing bad will happen to us. But uh, in regards to North Korea, if you question any element, whether it's, you know, how much money is going to some place or, you know, just uh, just any type of uh, kind of, you know, playing with the, the technicality, you can you, you just die at, yeah. at that point. Yeah, it's 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 certainly something that you wouldn't uh, want to mess with, and you know who knows what's gone on with this kid here. Um, whether they'll be able to kind of safely get him out, who knows? Um, people don't tend to want to touch North Korea, really. Um, you know, they, they they don't want to sort of take any action against them or their regime they don't want to well I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what harry if they had oil we'd be uh, all over them oh, oh absolutely yeah if yeah. there was something there that people actually wanted then you know by all means we they, they'd be straight in there about you free. if uh, they did some exploration on you know in their in their coastal in the on like on their coast or anything like that and they declare that they found like some oil underneath the sea or something like that we would probably um probably do what we probably what they did with cuba with uh with uh, um, oh, Guantanamo Bay, you know, like isolate that side of North Korea off, and uh, you know, declare obviously, you know, go in there with uh, all our oil ships or whatever, and start mining that stuff out. And yeah. uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if that were what, what, what would happen, you yeah. know, because uh, I mean, at the end of the day, there's uh, some very you know hungry businessmen out there in some very hungry countries that would love that oil. Yeah, hungry businessmen who would uh, call their buddies in office and government and say, hey, do us a favour, just uh, get some people to go over there, go pick that stuff up, you know, but try not to rock the boat because, you know, we don't yeah. want to cause a, a war. Oh, you know? I'd be surprised if they even care. It's like, oh, there's going to be thermonuclear war, but, you know, oil. Exactly, yeah. You know, we can, <laughs> we've, we've already got our, ourselves built uh, our very own billion dollar nuclear bunker that we can, we can just wait inside until it all clears up. Yeah. You know, so best of luck. We'll, we'll hold on to the oil. We'll stay down here. You guys just sort of duke it out up there. And uh, we'll, we'll see you in a couple of hundred years. Mm hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. We're okay. still alive. So, uh... yeah. Just barely. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, our hearts go out to this kid. You know, uh, yeah. we really hope. He, you know, unfortunately, it's very unlikely he's going to get released instantly. You know, I, I would give it a good couple of months. You know, yeah, so what? I, I mean, what was it? April twenty second? He was uh, he was captured. I reckon we're not going to probably see him. I'd be very surprised if we see him in the next six months. Mm-hmm. You know, I really would be very, very surprised. Okay, um, let's move on to. Uh, I tell you what, a lot of our news has been pretty down, down, down. Well, pretty depressing, really, and down. But uh, I think this actually goes uh, further along the way. And uh, you gave me this story, actually, Harry. So, uh, I mean, do you want to do you want to go? Do you want to talk us through this one? Or yeah, I mean, um, do you do you have the clip there? Um... I, actually, I tell you what, you know, I did. I do actually have the clip. I mean, I mean, do you want us to play the clip now and uh, we'll discuss or? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just to give a sort of bit of context. Uh, obviously, uh, I think it was last week. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was on Channel Four News, uh, being interviewed by Christian Guru Murphy, who uh, proceeded to hurt Robert Downey Jr.'s feelings, and he then promptly walked out of the uh, interview. 
uh, and quite rightly so. And certainly for for that week, I was on the side of uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, mm. and sort of backing his corner uh, until I heard this. Yeah. Okay, I'll uh, play this now. This is actually just to give it uh, some quick credit. It's actually this was on Entertainment Weekly. Do you ever have a Sorry, craving? hang on a second. This was on Entertainment Weekly Radio, which is on Sirius XM uh, channel zero one zero five. So let's play the clip. After you finish wrapping one of these, just to make like a like five hundred thousand dollar budget indie movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because they're exhausting and sometimes they suck. And then you just go, what was I thinking? But I'm interested in doing all different kinds of movies. Sometimes the little movies are the ones that wind up taking the most out of you. Because mm. they're like, hey, man, we're just running a couple of days behind. Do you think you can stay through your birthday and then come back on the 4th of July? And by the way, uh, could you, like the crew, could you pay for the crap service for a day? And, oh, by the way, man, when we go to Sundance, it's like, can we just sit you in a chair and you can sell this for six days in a row so that we'll make 180 bucks when it opens in one theater? God, this is so powerful what we're doing. What do you think of the movie? You saw it last night. I think it's mediocre. Yeah, isn't it the greatest? <laughs> Man, this everyone's an artist here. Actually, most of you are kind of inexperienced and lame. <laughs> There's your answer, Jessica. <laughs> okay, well, okay then. <laughs> what kind of mood are you in today? Uh, An indie mood. I mean For me, I, I don't know because the I, I go Okay, I, I don't know where that came from, but uh, I mean <laughs> I guess I can see. I mean, okay, it's uh, two things uh, I'll just bring up. You know, obviously to get this discussion going. Uh, in a way, I can see he, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s point, but in another way, I can't because yeah. I mean, yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, I will admit to him. You know, there are some indie productions out there which are not very good in the slices. I mean, I do have to admit when I first saw the Angry Video Game Nerd movie. I was like, the first time I saw it, I was like, hell yeah. And then the second time I saw it, I was kind of like, nah, what was I enjoying again? And then yeah. I haven't watched it since, ever, ever since then. And uh, so I can, in, and also Mega Man the movie, when I saw that for the first time, I thought, okay, then yeah, Mega Man's finally got a movie and that was pretty cool. But then I couldn't watch it a second time because I just saw, yeah, it was like really stylish, but at the same time, it was really goofy at the, at the same point. So that kind of fell by the wayside. But then there was, uh, but then what makes me say why he probably is wrong is because, you know, uh, and I know I'm picking out probably bad examples of indie films, but uh, there was uh, Ashens and the Quest for the Game Child. And I thought that was pretty good. And uh, there's been other, you know, internet movies that have been out there, which uh, everyone really loves to watch. So, I mean, yeah, there are some really crap indie films that make absolutely no sense and uh, just bomb at the bo- you know the box office, or at least their idea of the box office being in one theatre at the corner street. But then there are those ones that you really do enjoy watching. And in a way, actually, to um, uh, correct uh, Robert Downey Jr., that all you know, independent films are lame, uh, I mean, are you going to say the same thing about one of the biggest films of our childhoods in the 90s, which was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? That started <laughs> off as an independent film and uh, was only stopping an independent film when it was picked up by New Line Cinema. Yeah, and am I right in also saying that um, wasn't Birdman technically classed as uh, an indie production to start off with as well? And was it, and was an Academy Award-winning film, I believe? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean... Obviously, the reason I brought this to your attention, Aaron, is because it's something, obviously, that I'm quite passionate about, uh, filmmaking and such. And as I say, up until last week, I was completely on the side of Robert Downey Jr. when he was not really being asked questions. He was being provoked 
um, and sort of got up and walked out of the interview. But I just kind of thought with that interview that he did talking about indie film, I kind of felt that he was missing the point, really. Um, you know, I mean, for a start, he's making a very sweeping generalization of all independent cinema. Um, and, you know, it, it's, I, I, to me, and like a lot of people have said, it sounds like he's had a particularly bad experience whilst working on an indie film. Um, which is probably where this sort of uh, this strong opinion is uh, coming from, but like some of it, some of it kind of kind of came across a little bit mean, <laughs> you know. And I, <laughs> and I know that's probably not, you know. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. You're being very mean, yeah. but you know, to say, uh, oh, all of you are inexperienced and lame. You know that that was kind of a bit uncalled for, really, because it, the whole it was. point with you know indie cinema and indie filmmakers, yeah, a lot of them probably are quite inexperienced compared to someone like Spielberg, you know, or like you know the the sort of the the old war horses. They are uh, inexperienced, but yeah. do you know? Do you know? What, do you know? What it comes across as it, it makes me feel that uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, I mean, it, this was probably maybe his worst interview. I mean, I have to say, yeah. because, uh, I mean, forget the, uh, I mean, the Channel 4 interview where he was being asked about drugs and stuff like that. I mean, Channel oh, yeah. 4, Channel 4 for a long time, since the 90s, has always tried to be very edgy and always tried to basically, you know, be very confrontational. So, yeah. I mean, the, for me, you know, for that to happen didn't surprise me in the slightest. But yeah. uh, in regards to, um, you know, Robert Downey Jr. in... Uh, the, the in what he said in this interview i mean this was this to me he came across very arrogant and he came across very i mean very unknowledgeable as yeah. well because i think he's not very aware about how lucky he actually is i mean if you think about it this is a guy who was on drugs and spent time in prison I mean, for, I mean, I don't know how long you spent time in prison for, but uh, I mean, most people with those kind of kind of records don't make it back into Hollywood. They don't. No. They don't make it back into the big time, yeah. and so they end up basically spilling onto the independent film scene and making you know making those uh, appearances at Sundance Festival in the hope that he's going to get a quick buck out of yeah. whatever he's trying to shrill. And yeah. uh, I mean, and if you look at it, um, you know, I reckon if uh, Robert, if if he had turned out to be that guy where he uh, pretty much uh, ostracized himself from Hollywood with his bad behavior and couldn't get back into couldn't get back in because people had not forgiven him for what he had done mm. and uh, he, he he ended up basically uh, being on the independent scene and uh, trying his best to uh, market himself. You know, let's say he turned it like... Uh, I mean, I won't say he turned it like, like Tommy Wiseau, because Tommy Wiseau is not a great actor, but, uh, I mean, if he ended up in that sort of similar situation where he was making independent film after independent film after independent film and was relying on this cult atmosphere to get, ga- gain his way through life, and I reckon he would probably be not be saying the things that he'd be saying now. And yeah. uh, it, to me, that interview with... I mean, I'm not listening to it in its entirety. I, obviously, we've only listened to that clip. But uh, to me, if uh, that is his, uh, his whole theme through uh, what he was saying and uh, the what he came across as, to me, it sounded like he was very arrogant and didn't really... Un- I think very unknowledgeable about the situation that he found himself in because you know a couple you know um, a couple of wrong turns here and there and he wouldn't be saying the things that he'd be saying now 
Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, I suppose it helps as well when you're born into the business because, you know, he was, his father was uh, into film. And, uh, you know, that's how he kind of got his footholding into. A lot of independent films are, in many cases, springboards for people who otherwise would never be given a chance uh, at all. And you tend to find that, yeah, okay, the there are a lot of indie films that are very niche and don't necessarily speak to everybody. Um, you know, that's what I've always said about fringe theatre. You know, if he was talking about fringe theatre, then, you know, that can be a lot of the time quite draining. Uh, and I know this from my own experience, you know, you, you can commit lots and lots of your time for no pay whatsoever, apart from expenses, and not a lot of people end up turning up to see it. And yeah, it's a lot of the time you can feel like I don't see, I don't really see the point to doing this. But with independent film, it's kind of different because you've got um, you know you've got something to kind of go on record. You've got that sort of that production. You'll always have that a copy of that. Um, and again it's it's very easy when you're up top to sort of punch down like you say if he'd have not had the luck and it was a massive amount of luck that he got back on like you know if he hadn't been cast in iron man i would dare say that his career would not be where it is now he would not be one of the top paid actors in hollywood um and also, let's not forget with Robert Downey Jr., he plays Robert Downey Jr. very, very well. Um, you know, back when he was doing, you know, sort of more niche things, uh, he was sort of, you know, he had a little bit of diversity. I mean, let's not forget this is the guy who was in Chaplin. Um, but now that he's sort of in the big time, he seems to be playing himself an awful lot in his films. And, you know, there are indie films that have done quite well and have taken off compared to something like, I don't know, Jew Day. Yeah. Hello? It's, yeah, it, it's... Oh, sorry, um, I thought I lost you there, but... Uh, I mean, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but, uh, I mean, I'm just looking now at uh, some of the top 50 uh, greatest independent films of all time. And actually, I'm only just looking at the top 10. Shall I run them through and uh, tell you how uh, crap these independent films are in Robert Downey Jr.'s mind? Yep, please okay, do. Okay, let's, let's do Okay, so uh, according to Empire Online, I mean, this is uh, this is their uh, top 50, not ours. Uh, but uh, number 10 is Mean Streets. Okay. Okay, yep. number 9 yep. is Sideways. Right, yep. Number Good. 8 is The Usual Suspects. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah so. Uh, yeah. All terrible films. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Awful, yeah. Oh, <laughs> number seven. Sex lies in a videotape. What's that? Oh God. Who <laughs> <that>? Yeah. And also, <laughs> uh, no. Number six. Night of the Living Dead. Oh. Wow. That, that's well, not nostalgic are, oh, really? or classic in the slices. No. According to Robert Downey Jr., these are all the ones that suck. Apparently. Uh, number five. The Monty Python's The Life of Brian. Oh God, yeah. Uh, uh, where would we be without? Yeah, where that? would we be without that? Yeah. Nowhere. Number number four, Clerks. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, and and these these number three, yeah. These these were never. These were all uh, not worthwhile uh, uh, projects, according to Robert Downey Jr. Number three, The Terminator. Oh God, what? yeah. Arnie, please just you know th- stick to the bodybuilding, but don't give us the you know the the, the iconic robotic. Uh, yeah. 
yeah, robot that will not stop at any. Uh, you know, how, how many times has it been? I mean, that that film there, that that uh, independent film that Robert Downey Jr. says were oh, a complete waste of times and that suck. I mean, how many times has it been parodied in uh, in 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 modern culture today? How many times have the catchphrases been used? I'll be back. And uh, how many times has the theme been used of uh, you know this uh, uh, you know this guy trying to protect this person from an assassin? You know, that's been used very yeah. few more times in action films. And uh, you know the uh, the amount of graphic work. That went into it as well, and uh, you know the whole robotic um, thing that led on to other uh, sci-fi genres as well. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, yeah. who wants to be that guy? You know, it's just yeah. you know the person that everyone that, emulates. Yeah, a film that's kind of scarily predicting a future that could potentially happen. You know, indie film may possibly have saved the human race, but never mind, Robert. We can just put that in the bin. Forget about that one. Uh, what's, yeah. the, what's the top two? Okay, top two. Number two is Donnie Darko. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Was he not in that? I thought he was in that. No. Uh, well, <laughs> no. No. Rob, Rob, Robert Donnie Jr. wasn't in Donnie Dar- Donnie Darko, but uh, no, he wasn't. No. And uh, no. number number one, which uh, you know, um, I mean, I'll just say, it, is Reservoir Dogs. Wow. One of the most iconic films of all time. Uh, yeah. Cool? Oh yeah, yeah. Just remind me of that. Is it? Is it kind of? Uh, is it a bit like All Dogs Go to Heaven? Uh, no, it's uh, it's that one with a scene where uh, he, he gets like his ear cut off. So with a oh, with a glass. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah like Van you know, Gogh. Yeah, that one in uh, what you call it? Um, it, it was parodied on Itchy and Scratchy uh, in a Simpsons uh, episode. <laughs> and also, it's been parodied in a very other uh, ones as well. And it's also in a terrible music video that's uh, stuck in the middle with you uh, song. I do remember a, a while back ago. So, uh, yeah. and it also I, mean, I think used uh, the the song that was in Guardians of the Galaxy, "Hooked on a Feeling." Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And so, I mean, according to Robert Downey Jr., these independence films were a complete waste of time. Absolutely. Which, uh, yeah, we should all just stick to. Uh, the Avengers and just I only have Avengers. Don't get me wrong, I love the Avengers films, but it's funny how he says as well, isn't it, about, oh, could you possibly come and sell this film for six days? Uh, what has he been flying around the world selling for the last couple of weeks? Well, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, absolutely. Well, mind so, you, you know, uh, you know why that is. We've got to have money. So I mean, it's uh, they're money spinners. So uh, I, 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 well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it could could one say that the uh, Avengers films, as fantastic as they are, uh, it's not exactly kind of um, you know, like you say, it's not Reservoir Dogs, it's not Citizen Kane, it's not these uh, iconic films that will be remembered forever. Mind you, what was think- Citizen Kane? I don't think that was an independent film, was it? No, it wasn't an independent film. No. I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, this kind of something that will yeah, never I mean, ever this, be. This is the thing about these uh, these Marvel films now. I mean, is, is there a feeling now that they're kind of just going to be there and go away? There's not going to be... Um, I mean, you know, you've got the Fantastic Four being remade again. And yeah. uh, you've got these other films that are now getting these other variations. I mean... These these films are starting to lose their their classicalness, and you know you see. I mean, mind you, Disney. You know, with it's it's remaking like uh, Mulan, and also it's also recently remade Cinderella as well, and also it's going to be remaking Beauty and the Beast and all their classics as well. Dumbo, oh Dumbo, and all of these. Yeah, they're redoing them all either live action or three D. Do we get the sense that perhaps Hollywood has just completely run out of ideas now? That they're kind of redoing their stuff for a new generation 
um, that's well, been done live been... action. And there's been nothing wrong with. Um, I mean, Leslie. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, you know, they've been doing like the remastered versions of these films. You know, like they've been like updating them with HD and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, Pinocchio version where you know uh, Geppetto shoots first. But yeah. uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, I mean, um, that, I mean, obviously the Pinocchio HD and also they're doing like the, they did like they've all done all the uh, cartoon films in HD. HD and uh, whether they're going to do them in 3D. I mean, Aladdin in like HD and 3D would actually be pretty good. I mean, imagine the uh, the magic carpet bit where they're trying to get out of the uh, Ala- you know, they're trying to get out of the cave, and yeah. um, I, that would be aw- that would be awesome in 3D. Uh, yeah, watching yeah. all of that and all everything else, is, all the other action that's in it as well, that would be fantastic. But uh, I mean, why they need to do live action films of these things? Unless I mean. This is very... You've got to be really careful here because you're playing with a group of people and you're not just reaching out to a new generation. Dare I say you're reaching out to fans who have uh, still attached to these attached to these um, these characters and these stories. Yeah. And Disney is taking a huge... I mean, let's face it, we all... I mean, how much of us kind of nearly wanted to throw open our mouths when we saw the uh, the Mad Hatter breakdancing in that... In that um, uh, Alice in Wonderland remake. Oh god, that that film uh, broke me in many ways. And they're doing a sequel. Bird. They're doing a sequel. Uh, yeah, well, a sequel to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they and they're are. giving it back to you know Tim Burton, who just likes to do all this weird stuff, man. Well, he's oh, sh- can, can't you just make a Nightmare Before Christmas too? I mean, it's like yeah. I mean, even then, that would somewhat still be you know salvageable. Well, you know, making, making, trying to revive something out of something that is really horrible is not going to work. They're making a sequel to Beetlejuice, though. Um, Uh, are they? I I heard. Oh, God. Well, you see. That's 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 going to suck. If if it's Michael Keaton again, you know, he's proved that he's still got it. Um, Let's just hope it's not uh, Beetlejuice does Hawaii, which is the one that they were originally planning to do and never did. Thank God. Oh well, mind you, the um, I really wish they didn't make the mask too. You know, obviously that turned into Son of Mask. Oh, oh, that movie sucked. Uh, that, that, that was, was the horrible. Worst thing. That guy, the the main guy in it, the one who was in Scream, like I think that pretty much buried his career. I don't think he's ever going to have you know like a Robert Downey Jr. moment. No, in fact, it probably wasn't as bad as. Oh, uh, who was? Uh, did you ever see the the Super Mario Brothers movie? Oh yeah. Who was see, who, who was it, the guy? Who was Bowser in that? Uh, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. Yeah, he was an Academy Award-winning uh, actor, and yeah. then he appeared in that, and that was that was that was the end of that. That was that was a movie where Dennis Hopper literally looked like he had no more fucks to give. It looks like he had no fucks to give in the first place, and he's playing King Cooper. But that whole film, I, do you know, it, it's one of these ones where because I had it at a young age, it has a piece of itself. You know, lodged into my heart, so I'll always love it in all of its awfulness. Oh, um, but yeah, it is horribly bad. And uh, you know, Bob Hoskins and John—I uh, can never pronounce his last name. Um, Legazzini, Lemazzini. Regardless, it's whoever whoever was in it was did not paint themselves in glory. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it's a, it was a very interesting 
movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, apparently they're in talks about uh, doing a new Super Mario Brothers movie, but like a, an animated one. Yeah. They're in talks at the moment, which, you know, I always that, said... That, that would it, be better. Were, I mean, yeah, if you, you think about it, it because... it would make sense, you know, like if it was sort of Final Fantasy style, um, you know, and this... I mean, a lot of people have talked in the past, you know, how exactly would you turn Super Mario Brothers into, you know, a film with a plot? There is somewhere exists uh, a Japanese animated movie, very, very crude, but a Japanese animated Super Mario Brothers movie that has... A beginning, a middle, and an end, um, and it's online somewhere. You can find it. But I reckon Mama that mia. they could. I reckon. <laughs> Mamma mia! I reckon Mama that mia, they they could make a really good story if you go down. You know, not not so much, but you took a little hint of the kind of Lord of the Rings thing. You know, a little bit of the Hobbit, just without all the pointless traveling boring nonsense and so many characters that we don't know well, who's fair, who. The, the travelling wouldn't be boring because you actually get to see uh, Mario hit blocks, uh, beat up Goombas and then uh, climb a flag at the end. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's... It, imagine I, I Lord of the Rings it, was that. Yeah, I mean, let's I mean, let's, let's kind of uh, look at it. I, I believe I sort of worked out once on my way down to Milton Keynes how you would sort of set up the backstory. The idea that you've got uh, the Mushroom Kingdom, so you've got all these different kingdoms. If we take the idea that there are eight kingdoms, or the eighth one is the one where Bowser is sealed away, and uh, Bowser, of course, being the huge sort of rampaging monster that he is, but also apparently in possession of uh, dark magic abilities, um, yeah. and decides to come out into uh, to storm the other seven kingdoms and take uh, take the Mushroom Kingdom for his own, and uh, by chance these plumbers get sucked into it. You see, this is where the plot starts to kind of fade away a little bit because yeah. it's like we've got some Italian-American plumbers from Brooklyn who are coming to save a mystic land. You know, it's not quite Bilbo Baggins, but if Bilbo can do it, he's a, a hobbit who had no idea what was going on. I don't know, he... really. I mean, do you really need to explain their background again? I mean, because for me, I mean, for a Super Mario Brothers movie, I wouldn't mind if they basically started it at... You know, uh, it gave us like some prologue, you know, like some background story to begin with, like a narration or whatever. And uh, then basically it introduces like to the plumbers in the Mushroom Kingdom. And basically, you know, there's a, oh, they're friends, you know, they're friends with this princess. And oh, they live with all these mushroom people. And, you know, here's this. And then uh, you have like all the kingdoms as well. And then you've got Bowser who's like crazy and wants to take over the the mushroom, you know, the other kingdoms as well. Mind you, the only problem with that formula would be if they went down that road is that Bowser would need a motor. And it's yeah. that it can't just basically be he's evil because, as we all know, when we have um, um, antagonists motivated by just being evil, they don't necessarily work out for the best. Yeah, because that's not realistic. Like, there's no, no. one you know in real in real life who is motivated purely on the basis that. I'm evil because no one believes that they are truly evil. Yeah. People believe. I mean, if it was like you know, uh, what should we call it? If like Bowser like, turned around and said like, uh, "Oh well, you know, uh, Peach's father killed my father, or whatever," or you know, uh, the uh, Mushroom Kingdom used to be our kingdom before it was dominated by Princess Peach's ancestors, and gave it kind of that twist or whatever, then uh, you know, 
yeah. do something with it. But uh, I mean, just wants whatever he wants. Uh, yeah, but yeah. it's like to me, <laughs> yeah, it is gonna have to be if you're gonna create this story, you've got to you've got to flesh out the characters. And, yeah. uh, and I mean, to me, the the story, the story. I mean, the elements in itself. I would say are okay. It's just, you know, the characters need building upon, and that's where I would kind of worry about, uh, you know, where the writers would go, and they would really have to be, you know, somewhat Nintendo fans, and uh, on top of that, it's like, you know, you've seen all the fan fiction, and you see how many directions it could possibly go in. It's yeah, like, yeah. it really, you know, it's going to be like Russian roulette about whose writer we're going to get and whether it falls on double zero or where, where, and uh, we, like, win the big jackpot or it falls on red and we basically win nothing. Well, it's all been uh, planned out at the moment, isn't it? And um, hopefully these are the things that they'll be thinking about. And if nobody wants to pick it up, then who knows? It could end up becoming an indie film. Maybe oh, so. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I thought that indie was uh, more like... I thought indie was uh, a short for Indiana Jones. Just so you know. <laughs> I seriously film. thought it was. Oh, no, it's, uh, well, we have educated you here today. Well, I, <laughs> I believe... And that's a good thing to uh, to leave on. So, uh, I mean, I think uh, that's everything that we've got. So, uh, I mean, I'm not too sure what we're going to do for the election at the moment. I'm thinking of possibly just... Um, I mean, I've always wanted to do... I want to see if I can try and do a live broadcast. One thing I'm thinking of doing is I might consider staying up on the 7th of May and uh, possibly doing like an overnight broadcast for the election and just uh, kind of just talking about stuff. I don't know if you guys want to come on and just basically, you know, kind of like marvel or whatever we're going to talk about or whatever, but it would mean staying up until like six in the morning and uh, basically seeing basically what happens. Well, so. I'll see what the missus says. Um, uh, she might be up for that. Um, cool. But um, yeah, absolutely. Keep 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 you posted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not too sure what we're going to do in regards to having people on and stuff like that. It's all up in the air at the moment. I mean, um, I've only just uh, I've only just got the week off uh, off work and everything, so uh, I'm still. Uh, I mean, I've got this week, and then after that, basically, I go back to. Uh, uh, to doing the usual thing, but uh, I mean, at the moment, um, <laughs> we should see if we can get Nigel Farage on. Um, I, I'm sure, I'm sure that you'll have lots to talk to him about. And if we distract him long enough, yeah. maybe he'll miss the election and not get. <laughs> well, so, I mean, Nigel, we, the, the the day that Nigel Farage turns up on my show is going to be uh, that's going to be a hell of a day, I have to say. But uh, <laughs> the day that Satan will be skating to work. Uh, that's probably well, yeah, exactly. I think uh, Satan will be skating to work on on that day. But uh, I mean, I, I, again, I don't know what's going to happen on this show. That if we do have one, that is, we might do it live. We'll do it live. Uh, but and then um, that's like O'Reilly well, well, for a second. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll do it. I say I need to get. I've actually got those clips. I need to put them on my soundboard yet. But uh, I mean, I'm still. Want, I mean, yeah, it's still up in the air. Still wondering what we're gonna do. One thing I might do is I might just kind of like uh, come on, uh, come on live and uh, have all like all the TV on and just kind of like just analyze what's going on. Because let's face it, I mean, um, the people are gonna be watching like Sky News and BBC News. And uh, actually, I'm just wondering what uh, what I'm gonna be mainly paying attention to because uh, I mean, I've been looking at Sky News's uh, setup recently and uh, their election stuff is not that bad i mean they've got some um, uh, correspondents in all the key constituencies apparently and they're going to be doing their damnedest to make sure that they're going to have the uh, results in first before the bbc right. so um yeah. i mean election night they're going to be doing some serious uh, contesting to make sure that basically they're the ones who are talking about the election while probably uh, you know itv's probably and channel five are going to be talking about uh, you know uh, just waffle on about whatever 
So I think uh, your big contenders, I think, uh, for election uh, election night are going to be the BBC and uh, with David Dimbleby and uh, Adam Bolton with Sky News. So. Mm. Mm, nice. Well... Let's well looking forward to it, seeing what's going to happen. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be. Well, mind you, it's good. I'm sort of looking forward to it, but I know the results are going to be not good. I just I, I just have that pit, pit stomach feeling. Unless something happens in these next couple of days, which I highly doubt is going to happen. I mean, um, who knows? But uh, right now, we're just keeping an eye on, the, keeping our fingers on the pulse, really, and just uh, seeing uh, seeing what happens at uh, you know, on Friday morning. So uh, yeah, and I'm probably going to be around for that. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. time to get this show uh, uh, under wraps. So, uh, uh, Josh, thank you very much for being on the show. You're welcome. And uh, Harry, thanks very much for being on the show. Pleasure as always. And thank you all for listening to this show and on Mixcloud.com forward slash Aaron Meta and all on the RSS feeds as well. iTunes, Player FM, and also uh, uh, Stitcher as well. Uh, keep keep uh, keep on all those uh, RSS feeds and uh, keep on the podcast as well. Keep listening to Mixcloud as well. If you hear someone, if you know someone who would probably you know love to listen to this show, share the word. Um, get them on the Facebook page. Get them on Twitter. Uh, tell them all about the show. You know, uh, let let the word of mouth uh, go go through. If you want us to talk about anything in particular in the show, let us know because uh, you know at the end of the day, you know I do this show because I have the ability to do this show because you know Harry and Josh have the ability to do this show as well. You know, we've got this really great thing going on right now. Where if you want us to talk about anything at all, just you know uh, put it on the Facebook page, tweet me. It's twitter.com forward slash Arometa Show. It's our facebook.com forward slash Arometa Show. You know, just message me and let us know what you want us to talk about because you know we'll talk about anything on the show right now because you know that's what that's where we're there for so anyway for another evening until the general election and uh, we'll, I'll be uh, I'll, I'll possibly be up on Thursday night uh, reacting to that uh, either doing a live show or uh, doing something on Twitter whatever uh, we'll see what goes on but we'll definitely be on next week so uh, thank you very much for checking out the show we'll see you next week goodbye for now <laughs>